Well, uh, good morning. Uh, let me introduce our special guest. This is my wife, Shannon. Hey, it's on, yeah. Uh, definitely oh, my. my better half. So uh, we have, over the years, we have done a number of just kind of different dating talks and She's leaving? All right. Oh, she's getting a Bible. Okay. We've done a number of different dating talks and uh, discussions about relationships. And we thought this morning what we wanted to do really was hear from you guys as far as what are the questions, what are the issues that you think are important that you'd like to ask, that you'd like for somebody to address from a biblical perspective. So it really can be any question. Uh, And the reason we address this topic on a pretty regular basis Obviously, it's an issue that I know you guys are already talking about a lot. If you're still like I was when I was in college, it's a huge topic of conversation uh, because generally we have a hard time understanding the opposite sex, knowing how to relate to them. I think that is a universal, timeless sort of problem. Uh, Some of you are going, I'm not dating anybody right now. Uh, I am single. I will probably be that way till Jesus comes. Uh, That is is all right. If you're sitting there going, that's me, I think this is still an important topic. And I think one of the main reasons is because you still are going to need to think about how do I interact with those of the opposite sex? Constitutes roughly half of the world apart from yourself. And so uh, you will need to know how to do that. And I think also the Bible talks about it. And uh, you will have friends who are dating, you will have friends who are married, and issues of uh, relationships, sexuality, marriage, all of those things affect your life, whether you're married or not, Uh, and they will affect the lives of your friends. And so I think these are critical topics. We're going to talk about it. So what you can do, I'm going to let Shannon introduce us and our story just a little bit, but if you've got a question, hand it down to the center aisle and then kind of raise your hand up, and we've got some folks that are come by and they'll pick them up and they'll bring them to us and we will address them as we get them. So, uh, and also if you don't have a card and would like to write a question, Sarah has some extra cards over here. Just kind of raise up your hand and she can bring some extra cards around. I know there weren't enough for necessarily everybody. So, okay. Shani's going to talk a little bit about our story. Hey, hey everybody. How's it going? Doing okay? Having a good day so far? Good. Well, I thought I'd introduce us just a little bit. I'll start with saying that I am class of 97. I'm from Texas A&M. Woo. Thank you very much. Matt is class of 98. Woo! Um, and I, <laughs> um, we did both graduate on time. The only reason I bring that up and kind of introduce with that fact is to tell you girls that there is a godly guy out there, but break your paradigm. He may not be older than you. He might actually be younger than you and still be incredibly godly. So just keep that to you. I know the Bryants, same situation, right, guys? <laughs> so there you go. Rachel and Andy, too. Rachel and Andy, great. I mean, so many great couples here. So anyway, let me start with that. So I did meet Matt at A&M. I actually was dating another guy at the time, so that was kind of sad. That <laughs> yeah, was kind of sad. Matt always likes to say that he won in the end, so that's fine. Um, I was dating another guy. We actually met through an organization, Matt and I did, and I was on his committee. Isn't that so cute? Uh, so that's how I met him, but I didn't think anything of him. One, because he was younger, and two, because I was dating somebody else. So I just put him in that category of, like, guy that I don't really think about. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so anyway, that guy and I actually broke up 
Um, and then I stayed in town. I was doing student teaching and ultimately had, got a job here in town and started volunteering in the college ministry here at Grace. At that same time, Matt became an intern. So you see all these wonderful interns around here? He was one of those. Isn't that so cool? So he was an intern uh, with Grace, and we were leading growth groups together kind of at the same time. There were a whole bunch of us. So we kind of were all friends, just this one big group of guys and girls hanging out together, which actually was very ideal because then I could get to know him a little bit. I kind of saw how he interacted. I thought he was very funny. Um, apparently, a lot of the girls were kind of intimidated by Matt uh, because he's, you know, the smart, smarty pants kind of guy. Um, very funny. But I wasn't because he was younger. So I was like, hey, it's Matt. You know? so, anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so he started asking me for rides in, his, in my car because his car was really poopy. Um, so um, I had this working vehicle. So he started, he started asking me for rides and then thus began our friendship. People started to notice and say, is there something going on? Yada, yada. Um, and finally, I guess there was something going on because one night he called me not once, but twice to invite me to come to macaroni and cheese night, which he used to have at his apartment. Mac and cheese night. Mac and cheese night. <laughs> so the way I, to win a woman. <laughs> Um, so I did, I did go and I kind of knew something was up and sure enough, he did ask me to go out. So we went out. Our first date was during, during spring break, actually, sweetie, March 11th, which I think is Heather's birthday. Um, March 11th, um, back in the day, 1999. Yeah. We got engaged of October of 99. Yes. Remember we're both out of school. Okay. And then we got married in January, 2000. So yes, if you want to count, I'll just go ahead and count for you. That's 10 months. Okay. Um, it went really fast, but we were out of school, and we both thought it was wise to do that. Also, he had to think about coming back for his job, but this is getting into way too many details. So um, we got married and then um, stayed here for a little while, moved to Dallas. Went to, he went to seminary, and then now we've back, been back for almost 10 years. And in that time, we've had three children. There are two here on the front row. Elizabeth is the oldest. She's eight. And then Abigail, our little pistol, she's five. And then we have a little boy, uh, my little boyfriend. He is three. His name is Samuel. So that is our kind of brief story. All right. Well, uh, as you can see, we have a stack of questions here that is longer than we will get to. So we're going to fly through as many of these as we can. And uh, so the first one is, where should the line be drawn physically in a relationship? So I'm actually going to let you take that one. And uh, then I will, I will supplement. But I'm going to let, uh, let Shannon start there. All right, invite me to talk. Okay. Um, where should the line be drawn physically in a relationship? That is such a great question. And I know one of the things that we like to say, even in our dating talk, is how holy do you want to be? You know, I was thinking as we were singing these songs and Um, That kind of brought me to tears because I was thinking about how God has redeemed us, how he is in the business of redeeming people um, from past mistakes, from current mistakes. um, And he is wanting to use you. That is the whole purpose of leaving you here after you were saved. Um, So the point is not how much can I do in my relationship, but how holy can I be and how much can I reflect God in my relationship and to an outside world that is definitely looking at my relationship. Um, so if you want a, a concrete thing, I know you like your three nothings. Three nothings, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing lying down, nothing comes off, nothing below the neck. Those are just three very easy to remember guidelines. Nothing lying down, nothing comes off, nothing below the neck. And the reason behind that really is, as we've talked about this over the years, physical touch, physical intimacy is sort of a progressive type of deal, right? So uh, when you first hold hands with that special person, it just sends sparks of electricity through your body, right? You're all giddy and you fly home. Uh, The third, fourth, fifth time, 
it may not have quite the same effect on you, right? And so you amp up the physical touch a little bit here and a little bit more and a little bit more to get that same degree of feeling. And you're designed that way. That's not bad that God has designed you to desire physical touch and physical intimacy and ultimately in the context of marriage, sexual intimacy. And so that is why, in order to avoid sexual immorality in a relationship, I think it's wise to set some boundaries, to say, um, not for legalistic purposes, but to protect you, to protect me. Uh, We are going to draw a line here and go no further and then find accountability in that relationship. Somebody who really uh, will ask you those hard questions, somebody who likes you, but is not intimidated by you or impressed by you, who will ask you hard questions and who will help you walk that line well. But that's just kind of three guidelines. I think if you're asking kind of how far can I go, that may be the wrong question, like Shannon's saying, how, how holy can I be and how can I pursue this relationship in a way that honors Jesus Christ, not just with my body, with my words, with my mind, with my eyes in every way. Mm-hmm. So if something leads you down the path of lust, uh, it's probably better to avoid it. And it's tricky to define boundaries for everybody in this room because the spirit might convict you in a different way than your friend, right? Um, obviously, there's some very concrete things that are not okay physically, but maybe for you, even holding hands is just too much. You know, maybe you've got past issues that kind of complicate it for you. Uh, maybe saying I love you is just too much that you can't handle. Um, so let the spirit, you, that's definitely something where you need to say, Holy Spirit, direct me. I yield to you. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5, for this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Verse 6, that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. All right, what Paul's saying is that, yeah, your goal with your body is holiness, uh, to pursue Jesus Christ. And so... Whatever will promote that and facilitate that in your relationship is where we need to go. All right, this is a, a great one. Um, actually, maybe one that I have not got, gotten before, but I love this. Is loving someone that does not love you back a sin? I feel like no, but this is something I want to clarify. All right, that's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm assuming the question means in the context of uh, romance, right? Because, of course, uh, Jesus loves us, Romans 5, 8. He died for us while we are yet sinners, while we didn't choose to love him back. So love is something, the love of Jesus Christ is something we extend freely apart from expecting something in return. In a romantic relationship, uh, sooner or later this happens to almost everybody, right? Uh, You are interested in one person and it becomes clear that that person is not interested in you. If that's never happened to you, Lucky for you, but it happens <laughs> to most of us mortals, and so uh, eventually you're going to experience that, uh, and the question is, is it wrong? Uh, here's, here's what I would say. You cannot always help those initial feelings of attraction. You can, though, exercise self-control in terms of what you do with those feelings of attraction. So obviously, uh, as a married guy, if I find myself attracted to a person other than my wife, then I need to quickly get that in check and quickly bring those feelings before the Lord. So to act on those feelings, to begin to move toward a person, to initiate some sort of emotionally close relationship with another woman would be inappropriate. Um, I would say if this person is married, then clearly they are off limits. And so to pursue them in a romantic way would be wrong. Uh, If this person is engaged, uh, I, I would say... 
probably best to stay away unless you have some compelling reason that you feel that that engagement is wrong. All right? The person is dating, proceed with caution, okay? And what I mean by that is I'm not saying that you go around trying to destroy somebody's relationship. I'm just saying uh, in every sense, be upfront, be straightforward, honor both parties in that other relationship as you're talking to a person. And if ultimately it proves that this person says to you, no, I'm not interested, I'm interested over here, then take the no and move back and move on. All right. But the reality is that you cannot always help that initial feeling of attraction you have towards somebody This is probably going to surprise some of you, but even your parents who have been married for 20, 30, 40 years still find themselves at times attracted to another individual. That happens, all right? Uh, That doesn't shut off just because you get married. You're still a human being, But what you do with those feelings of attraction is where it can become right or wrong, depending on how you approach it before the Lord. I don't know if you would add anything to that. Okay. All right. Why don't you take that one? Oh. This looks like the same handwriting as the first one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Prayer together in the context of a relationship. Is it okay or not? What are the different views now? Um, I I think it's fine. I mean, I think that it's okay for you to pray. You um, need to be careful about where you are and how much you're doing that and maybe the topics that you're covering in prayer. Um, But let's say you're... You know, you're at Mugwalls and you're in a group praying. I mean, absolutely. You're sitting side by side. No problem. Even if you're not in a group and you're hanging out at Mugwalls or your coffee place of choice um, and you're, you know, doing that publicly and it's not late at night. And, you know, it's not that I'm trying to prescribe a legalistic way to do that. I'm trying to give you helpful guidelines of what will keep you from taking prayer into something that it shouldn't be. Does that make sense? Um, (laughs) So prayer together, I think, is, is great. I think it can help deepen your relationship. Again, the, co- the content of what you're talking about might be something also that you want to be careful of, you know, that you're not sharing your most intimate, deepest, darkest sins um, and concerns with the other person. You know, you just want to be wise and careful and not, not overly share. Um, she also asked about um, what are the different views. Do you want to say anything? Well, I don't know that there are formal views. I mean, I think that... Some people would say any prayer together would be wrong, right? This is, this is a wisdom question on some level. If you feel that praying closely together is going to lead you particularly down a path where you're going to struggle with physical lust, which in some cases it may. As you bond emotionally, you may find yourself struggling with physical temptation. If you find that, maybe it's best to keep the prayers very short and very focused. Um, if you are the kind of person that you says, yeah, we can pray for a few minutes and it's fine. I can share some prayer requests and that's not going to cause me to struggle or stumble, then you may be in a different category than some. I think what Shannon is saying is that really any sort of um, very intimate emotional contact that is taking place when you're all by yourself at midnight in your apartment with the door closed in your room probably is not a good idea. Okay? So prayer together, not a bad thing, great thing. Uh, however, when that prayer becomes a... Uh, path toward lust, then we need to be very cautious and and avoid that. All right. This question, I'm going to take this one because I I love this. um, It's a biblical question. Why were Old Testament men allowed to have multiple wives? Hundreds of wives and concubines in Solomon's case. The first thing I'd say is if you are considering this, uh, (laughs) 
I, I just wouldn't recommend it, okay? Uh, the odds uh, that that would end up as a good situation are extremely, extremely small to none, all right? And uh, here's the, you know, we mentioned Solomon. That's a great example. Um, interestingly, God actually told the Israelites that their kings were not supposed to have many wives, but they did it anyway. And so one of the things we have to separate as we look at the Bible, and particularly the Old Testament, is uh, what is being prescribed. In other words, what is God saying, this is what you ought to do, versus what is just being described, right? And sometimes we have instances where things are described that we're not supposed to do. And in Solomon's case, it tells us, yeah, Solomon had all of these wives and concubines, 300 wives and 700 concubines. But what happened to him? They drew his heart away from the Lord for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, because they were women from the pagan nations around Israel who were engaged in idolatry. They drew his heart toward idolatry. And two, because uh, he was focused on how to please hundreds of wives rather than focused on walking with Jesus, walking with God. Okay, so uh, the Bible actually tells us that that was not something to be emulated. So did God allow it to happen? Yes, in the sense that he didn't stop it. Did he say it's okay? No. And in fact, nowhere in the Old Testament does it say thumbs up to polygamy. Okay? It, uh, instead, it seems that every time you see polygamy, you have problems. You look at David. Uh, David's uh, polygamous relationships cause all kinds of strife, sexual immorality, and violence within his own uh, bloodlines uh, amongst his children. Okay? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of these guys uh, that had multiple wives, you find the wives fighting, you find jealousy, tension, family conflict, it never produces something good. So although the Bible describes it, it never says this is a good idea. And in fact, seems that particularly as you get to the New Testament, the New Testament writers consistently urge each man is to have his own wife and each woman to have her own husband. One woman and one man is the way that God created marriage and intended it to be. Great, great question. Pick another one up? Uh, Maybe. All right. What steps should you take? I'll take this one. What steps should you take before asking someone out on a date? That's a great question. Wow, I've never thought of steps before asking them out. That's a great question. All right, well, okay, so let's just assume that you are interested in a person uh, and you would like to ask her out on a date. Um, One of the things that we are going to tell you guys is uh, I don't necessarily always think it's wrong, for example, if a woman says, uh, we've got a sorority date party or whatever, and I'm going to ask a guy. I don't think that that is sin. We are going to say that in general, when we're talking about pursuing relationships, we see a pattern in the scripture that men are the initiators and women are the responders. Right? And that's even the pattern we see as we look at the relationship between Christ and the church, which is what marriage is meant to reflect, is that Jesus Christ, as the groom, moves toward his bride, his church, in love, and he initiates with her. And then she responds to him. And so I think as uh, even in the dating process, I'd say we are generally going to say in an old-fashioned way that men ought to be the ones initiating these relationships. Women respond. So guys, let's say you want to ask her out. You're interested. First thing I'd say is pray. Uh, spend some time praying. Is this a move the Lord would have me make? You're not necessarily looking for some sort of mysterious vision or sign or anything along those lines, but just uh, for wisdom. Uh, to ask her out. Uh, Second thing is I would just ask yourself, uh, why do I want to do this? Am I wanting to ask her out because I think it'll impress my friends? Am I wanting to ask her out because there's something I want from her? Uh, Why am I wanting to do this? Am I wanting to ask her out because I want to get to know her and see if maybe the Lord would move us together? Um, And then third, I'd say just 
just ask her out. All right, just uh, and I would say, talk to her in person. Pick up the phone. Don't don't text her. Okay, you know, uh, <laughs> don't make it ambiguous in the sense of like, hey, twenty of us are going to Mugwalls. Want to go? And then she doesn't know. Like, is this a date? Is this a group event? What is this? Uh, make it clear. Don't post it on her Facebook timeline, right? Uh, do, do something very clear and direct. And guys, I know I laugh at those things, but it's very easy because you're afraid. And I know that feeling. One of my strongest memories from junior high is wanting to ask this girl to a dance and pacing around my house for like two hours, picking up the phone, dialing. We used to have phones where you would dial like this. And I would dial six of the numbers and then hang up. <laughs> and then I'd pick it up and do it again, and I would dial, and sometimes I'd let it ring a couple times, and I'd hang up, all right? And so I know that fear and that anxiety that you feel, but I would say, uh, pray for wisdom, pray for courage, and then just be direct and straightforward. You're not asking her to marry you, you're asking her to go out on a date, all right? So uh, don't allow that anxiety to paralyze you, but just simply walk up to her and say, uh, may I take you out to dinner on a date, or may I take you out for coffee on a date to get to know you better. Say those words on a date, okay? And the reason is because if you just say, hey, I'd like to hang out and go to Muldoon's and maybe we'll study or something. Right? You kind of trail off. She's going to not know what you're saying, right? She's not going to know and she's going to spend time with her roommates in the high secret council <laughs> analyzing everything you've said, every move of your head. Did you put your hands in your pockets? Did you turn this way? Did you turn that way? What were you wearing when you talked to her? Uh, you want to cut all that off at the past, right? You want to be so direct that when they get together to talk about it, she goes, well, he told me, he told me uh, he wants to go out on a date. And you're like, so they got to talk about someone else's life, right? That's what you want. So be that direct and straightforward. Chef, when you want to hey, those are some of my favorite times. Talking to everybody like that. <laughs> but the least favorite for the guy. Well, he wasn't there. I'm sure. <laughs> um, I like this question. What is the best way to keep your dating relationship Christ-centered? I think that's so wonderful. Because one of my prayers for this question and answer time is that we would direct you always back to Christ. Um, that in everything that we say and every piece of comment that comes out of our mouth, that you would always be directed back to Christ. And I think if that is true in your dating relationship as well, then you'll be golden, okay? But that's kind of the overall thing I wanted to say. The best way, I think, to keep your dating relationship Christ-centered begins with you. Do you know that you have both an individual walk with God and a corporate walk with God? So what you're doing here today, you are walking with God. We're all walking with God together, okay? But it does start, I think, in keeping your individual walk with God completely in check in the sense that you go to him on a consistent basis and you allow him to satisfy you. There's a great verse. If you wrote this question down, it's in orange, by the way. Um, If you wrote that question down, or even if you just want to know what the verse is, um, it's Psalm 90 verse 14. And it says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. And I love that verse because you're asking the Lord to satisfy you. Psalm 90 verse 14 again. Um, you're asking him to satisfy you first in the morning, okay? Um, and you're asking him to be the one that completely meets your needs. You're not looking to the other person to meet your needs because that's where kind of the train gets off the track, right? Because then you start to get into inappropriate thoughts about that person and, and ultimately actions. But it starts there with your individual relationship, I would say. And then together, I think 
the way that you talk to each other, the things that you talk about, the places that you go, the movies that you watch, um, the people that you spend time with, all of these things can help keep your relationship Christ-centered. Um, not that you never reach out to non-believers, but that you're careful not to make them um, your best friends. Does that make sense? Because usually their priority system is different than yours, and they'll suggest things or be doing things that you probably ought not to be doing if you want to really keep it Christ-centered. So that's what I would say is make sure that individual walk with God is anchored in the Word, um, and make sure the corporate walk with God in your relationship, that is, with Him, um, is also anchored in Christ, in the Word. Is that okay? That's great. Okay. Okay, this one, actually, several people wrote this one down. So, is there supposed to be a spiritual leader in a dating relationship, or are we strictly separate until marriage? And if we are separate until marriage, how do you build a dating relationship for God without crossing the marriage line? All right, that's a great question. And I, I, we get that question a whole lot. Of The Bible lays out uh, clear roles for husbands and wives. If you look at Ephesians 5, obviously, it talks about wives submit to your husbands, husband love your wife, and talks about leadership and submission. All of those commands, of course, most directly are in the context of a marriage relationship. And so, uh, women, you are not called to submit to the guy that you're dating. Uh, However, I will say, like we talked about before, men, I think you have a responsibility to act in a way that promotes the spiritual health and growth of you as well as that woman that you're dating. All right, What that means is I do think, guys, the way that you can lead in a dating relationship is primarily through loving her well. And the way that you love her well in a dating relationship, you guard her purity, uh, you speak truthfully. Uh, we often will refer to Proverbs chapter 3, uh, let kindness and truth hang around your neck, right? Bind them around your neck. Don't let kindness and truth leave you. The idea is that you treat her with kindness and you treat her truthfully, straightforwardly, but also kindly, right? And so she should not have to wonder what your intentions are. Uh, she should not have to be the one that is uh, constantly pushing back, saying, no, 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 we need to keep these physical boundaries. Uh, she should not have to be the one that is trying to figure out where things are going. Right? That being said, I, and Shannon may want to address this too, ladies, you're, you're responsible for your own walk with the Lord. And you also, in that relationship, need to take a degree of responsibility, particularly for the physical boundaries. Both of you need to do that. All right, but I would love to see guys, as you're dating, you step up and, and proactively do that so that she always feels secure and safe in those boundaries and in the uh, context of the relationship without having to go, wait a minute, are we not supposed to do this? Should we do this? Where are we? What's happening? Are you going to propose to me tomorrow? Do you even like me? Like, make those things clear all the way along. Yeah, so as the guy is communicating, your number one job, ladies, is to respond well. You know, if he is communicating about, which I believe he will, Matt gave such a strong good charge, um, if he's communicating well about, this is where I think we're going, this is um, what I'd like to see us do, um, or, you know, I'd like to maybe start talking about, you know, are we going to get married, etc., um, then you respond. What you don't do is you don't need to take over and run the show. Um, you're not the one sitting there doodling his last name with your first name, you know, on your books everywhere. And then he's like, oh my gosh, I guess you think we're going to get married. I hadn't even thought about that. You know, you want to be the one who simply waits and responds to him instead of being the one who is pushing the ball down the court. Okay. And then that will really bless him and allow him to be the leader. And the, you know, the truth is there, I'm thinking about it. Um, you're not called to submit to him in marriage, but in, you are watching how these roles are going to develop. Because a little secret is, um, the day after you get married and you're on your honeymoon, you're still essentially the same person as you were before you got married, character-wise. Does that make sense? 
Okay, so who he is going into marriage will be who he is as he continues to grow with the Lord. But he's not going to be 100% different the next day. Does that make sense? You're not going to be 100% different. You're still who you are character-wise. So that's your goal. That's why you want to work on who you are in the Lord first and then bring that into the relationship. Um, I love this thing right here. I would be interested to hear what you have to say. Um, If you could do one thing over again in the process of dating, what would it be? Do you want to go first? (laughs) I don't mind. I would have broken up with that guy a lot sooner. I never dated him. Who would have thought? Um, no, go ahead. No, I actually know. I actually know the answer to this, and that is, I would have done a better job avoiding what we call freighting. Um, freighting is that kind of gray line between friendship and dating, where it's like, are you a friend? Are you dating? Right? You're doing your laundry at her house, you know, type thing. And you're like, I don't know what's going on. You're going on freights, which are kind of like dates, but uh, no one's clear what it is. All your friends are talking about whether you like each other, but you've never said anything. I'll be just real direct with you guys. That was my typical relationship really prior to starting to date Shannon. And I think at some point the Lord really convicted me that mm-hmm. uh, I cannot move toward people and try to... I think from a guy's standpoint, the reason we do that is because we kind of want to test the waters a little bit before we step out there verbally and say... Uh, I really like you, and risk her going, I don't like you, right? Because it's a scary thing. Uh, Ladies, I think sometimes uh, women do that too because they like the attention, they like the uh, feeling of the relationship and aren't required on some level to commit to it. And so I think men and women, we both have reasons for doing this, but I would say I would have done uh, none of that uh, prior to dating Shannon if I were to go back. And I think at some point the Lord convicted me that I really needed to be very direct and allow my words to match my actions. I think I would have gone on more dates and not been in as many relationships. You know what I'm saying? So I think I would have waited a little bit more um, and um, watched a little bit more kind of the character of the guy. Uh, the Lord, I, I did watch Matt, but that was because I was a little bit older and understood that. But initially, like in your spot, being a freshman, sophomore, junior, I, I didn't understand that. And so I just was like, whatever. Yes. Okay. We started dating. Now I'm in a relationship, you know? Um, and as I thought back on it, I've had, I was back to back relationships, you know, I'd get out of one little morning period and then boom, on a date, right back into a relationship. And that I don't think was really healthy because I didn't get to really sit back and just watch and also enjoy being an individual um, and growing in my walk with the Lord. So I would do that differently. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this one, I like, how do you know a relationship is over and not Aww, being tested? Sad. All right, yeah, that's a sad question. Um, yeah, no, how do you know when it's time to end the relationship? All right. Are you guys sad out there? That's so sad. sad question. Well, there's, uh, there's a number of ways. If you are dating Taylor Swift and she... <laughs> breaks it off with you, you are never, ever, ever getting back together, all right? <laughs> However, short of that, I think, it's, I think it's hard to know, okay? It's extremely hard to know uh, because uh, I've known friends that they've gone through relationships where they've dated, they've broken it off, they've dated, they've broken it off, and that may happen three or four times, <laughs> and then they end up getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there have been times, even with some of those friends, where I frankly counsel them, man, this doesn't seem healthy, like, you know, bail out for good, like end it, Okay. However, uh, I think it's, it's extremely difficult to know. And I'll just share with you, because one of the other questions in here was, were y'all in serious dating relationships prior to meeting one another? Shannon shared that she was with a guy when I first met her. Uh, I also was in one other, what I'd call serious dating relationship with a girl that I had known from high school. 
Uh, she went to TU, actually, and, and so we had... I know. That, I know you should have known, right there. I should have known, known, right there, yeah. You know, but here's what happened was, she moved away out there, I moved here, we were dating, we tried to keep the long-distance thing going, and then she eventually broke it off. And I'll be real honest with you, I didn't, I still, and some of you guys may find yourself in this position, I still held out this little sliver of hope that it might get back together uh, until she got married to someone else. Now, that happened well before I met Shannon, I should mention. Uh, That probably happened a year and a half or two years before Shannon and I uh, started dating. But um, some of you find yourself in that position where you're like, could this happen again? Could this, uh, is this totally over? And I think there isn't a way to know always until the story is is totally written. Here's, Here's a few things. I would say, in all honesty, look at the situation and if the person is saying, this is absolutely the end, all right? It's absolutely the end. Uh, then in your heart and in your mind, begin to move on. All right? Ask the Lord to give you the strength and the courage to move on. If you have broken up, but both of you seem real tentative, uh, what I would say is, first of all, guys, be very clear. Uh, if you're going to break up, and girls too, if you're going to break up, um, let the person go. Right? Let them go. Tell them we're breaking up. Don't tell them, hey, we need to take a six-month hiatus, and don't date anybody else, just in case. That's not fair. Mm. All right? Let the person go. Allow both of you to grieve. And then if the Lord wants to bring it back together in his time, allow him to do that. But the reality is, you don't always know for sure until the story's done. And so you have to trust the Lord as he walks with you day after day. I was talking to somebody actually just before the service and saying, I feel like dating relationships uh, and singleness, those are some of the first areas of our life as adults that we begin to learn the principle that life is often about trusting God for things mm-hmm. I don't have right mm-hmm. now. Waiting. And waiting, yeah. Waiting for something that may happen and may not happen. And recognizing that my joy in the Lord does not depend upon a dating relationship. Mm-hmm. It doesn't depend upon uh, whether I have kids or not. It doesn't mm-hmm. depend upon how much money is in the bank. Uh, these are continual things that you will deal with. And the skill set is the same, even though the area of your life is different. And that is... I'm going to trust in God that he will provide everything I need at the right time. And so I take it one day at a time, one day at a time as I grieve. I would say as a relationship ends, also give it some time. You don't always have to keep calling each other every day, talking to each other every day. Give it some time and space and see where the Lord might lead. I'll give you a little bit more details about the relationship I was in when I first met Matt. Um, It looked like it was headed to marriage. In fact, we did get engaged and it looked like everything was hunky-dory and it was going to be, you know, the man of my dreams. And and he's a great guy and it was a godly relationship. We were pure and so there was nothing to be concerned about there. Um, But he did actually break up with me or break up or I should say he he did take a two-week hiatus. And he was very clear and it wasn't very long. But when he came back, he said, no, it's it. It's over. Um, Boy, I mean, can you just see little Shani there with her little heart? Just, Um, And it was, of course, one month until graduation. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, at the time, you have to understand that I was of the mindset of I have to get married before I leave A&M because that was the lie. The enemy was feeding me, and I was just buying it and buying it. Um, And so that was hugely hurtful for him to break up with me because how was I going to find a guy and get engaged in a month, you know? (laughs) I mean, smooth, but not that smooth, you know? So it just didn't seem like it was going to be possible. 
And it wasn't actually. The Lord, what he did was take me through a season about over a year um, where I was by myself. And I remember what I had told you before about how I was always dating and in a relationship. Well, in College Station, once you graduate and everybody moves on, you're kind of like alone. <laughs> it's like, you know, you feel like you're alone. You're not really, but you feel like there's nobody out there who's your same age. So I really, the Lord had me through a season where I really <laughs> grieved and let that relationship go. And then he actually rebuilt that part of me to desire him most instead of a guy and the security of a guy. You know what I'm saying? So that it was really hard. And I, I wasn't the one who wanted it to be over, except for I'm glad it was because, aww. So anyway, there you go. Uh, we've got just time for a couple more. Do you want to? Oh yeah, I was going to say too. Can I put in a plug? Um, if you, if we've said anything today, or if we don't answer your question, or if something we've said has sparked a new question, you're always welcome to find us. You can find Matt through the Grace website. Um, you can, if I guess you can find me. You can ask him uh, for me as well if you want my email address. So please feel free to contact us and ask follow-up questions or. Um, if there's something that's really hard that's going on, I remember being a college student being like, I wish I could just talk to somebody. Like, my question is longer than just a question on a note card. Um, we can meet with you. There are other people on staff who can also meet with you, very qualified um, to counsel and encourage and give you wisdom. So we would love to do that as a staff to be here um, for you guys. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. So um, what are some signs that indicate that a couple is ready to talk engagement and marriage? I think that this is a good question. Um, when Matt and I were at that place, oh, here's a funny story. Um, <laughs> um, Matt um, was very good. He had communicated a lot. Remember, we um, started dating in March. We got engaged in October. September, okay, so we're trucking along. Do-do-do, this is going great. Um, September, he sits me down, and he says, I just wanted you to know that, of course, you know, we've been doing this. I'm not just dating you just to date you, um, but I'm dating you, you know, with a, with a purpose, and I, I think that... Um, you know, I can see marriage for us in the future. And, of course, I'm already there in my mind, right? And I'm like, you're just now getting there? Like, holy cow, this is going to take forever. <laughs> like, you're just, come on. Um, but, I had the ring. But he already had the ring. So he was asking me that to try to kind of see, was I going to flip out and just be like, holy cow, no way. I'm not, no, I'm not marrying you, you know? Or was I going to be agreeable and, and, you know, not flip out? Well, luckily for him, I was very agreeable. Mm-hmm. So it was just about a month later that he actually did propose. So... Anyway, the point, that was a funny, you were supposed to laugh. <laughs> All right, good, thank you. Um, they're, so, they're so, like, teachable. I love it. Um, so the way that we knew when we were kind of getting close to that point, we had a lot of confirmation from um, other people in our life who were watching our relationship and saying, this, is, this looks like this could be a good match. It looks like the two of you could do a lot for the Lord together, maybe more than you could have done individually. Um, parents had both, you know, we had met each other's parents. In fact, I had met your dad in April and found out later that he had called Matt's mom, his wife, and said, um, I think I just met our future daughter-in-law. Like, apparently, there were just stars in our eyes or something. Um, but, you know, both parents said, this is a good match. Um, your pastor, you know, if you're a mentor, somebody in your life who's a spiritual leader over you, um, which if you don't have one of those, get one of those. Um, those all can help you kind of understand, are we going in the right place? And I would say, ladies, and I kind of forgot to say this earlier, I sort of alluded to it, um, watch how the guy treats his mom. How does he talk to her? Does he serve her? When he goes home for Thanksgiving, is he helping her in the kitchen or is he sitting on the couch watching football? No offense, guys. Um, Also watch how he treats his sisters. Watch how he treats 
um, people at restaurants, guys and girls, the servers, the waitresses and waiters, okay? Watch how he does that. And I think if you see a guy who is servant-hearted and kind, he speaks with kindness, he's thoughtful of other people, um, he's not ugly or harsh or demanding, I think that can also be a big sign of whether you ought to continue to move towards engagement. So... I was just thinking about that golf tournament she told you all about. That was the first time she met my dad. I drove a 1992 Toyota Tercel that had, like, the horsepower of a horse. Like, it was, <laughs> it was the, like, the oldest, shakiest <clears throat> car, and the air conditioning awful. was broken. And it was about 97 <laughs> degrees outside as we drove from College Station to Houston. And I'm looking over, and the windows are down, but it's still miserable, and we're both just sweating. And I'm, I was thinking all the way there, this is it. Like, this is the end of this relationship. Because, but we got there, and the fact that my dad, my dad said that later, and the fact that she still rode back with me, actually, to College Station, was one of those moments where <laughs> I thought, this is a person who can endure adversity well. <laughs> so, anyway, I still think about that. It's just kind of a... Funny moment. Um, okay, we have time for maybe one, maybe two more, depending on how our fast time. you talk. Yeah. What is your view on courting? All right, this is a great question. Um, so, the modern sort of courtship view, if you're unfamiliar with it, really first emerged probably in the early 90s, a book by Joshua Harris called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Um, and the idea behind the book was that dating, going out on dates and trying people out and those sort of things is a worldly way to approach finding a, a partner because, or a spouse because it avoids some real critical elements. For example, uh, communicating with the person's parents, getting to know the person in the context of the spiritual life, some real critical things that obviously our culture doesn't value. And so uh, I think that uh, he raised some good questions. I do think where the solution perhaps fell short was the solution then was not to date, but instead to essentially approach a person after you watch them for a while and say, I think that God may be leading us to court toward marriage. And then you immediately go, maybe you talk with the parents, you go on chaperoned dates. Um, I think that there, in certain contexts, that might be helpful and valuable. Um, I think that in our present cultural context, it's not always practical or even uh, helpful. All right, and l- let me say what I mean by that. There are certainly contexts where people still pursue arranged marriages, right? Uh, some of you, maybe that's what you're wanting to do, okay? You want your parents to find somebody for you, and I don't say that uh, jokingly. There are certain men and women in their culture, that is their cultural t- tradition, and I have friends that they have done that. It's not immoral. It's something the scripture doesn't really address. In our culture, dating tends to be the way that people find a spouse, and part of that is that often... Our families are separated by large distances across the country. You may meet somebody and it's practically impossible, really, for you to meet their parents right away or talk to their parents. Um, It may be that uh, for some, pursuing the courtship model is a way to avoid the potential heartache of actually asking someone out and going through the process of getting to know them and see whether this person is a godly person over time. But instead, I can minimize, I think, some of that heartache if I step right in and say, Let's plan on getting married. Um, I think that instead, uh, I would say we can date in a way that removes or at least minimizes some of the problems in our culture. Like we were saying, you set physical boundaries. Uh, Yes, you get input from your Christian friends. Yes, you get input if you've got Christian parents. You get input from your parents. Yes, let your parents, your pastors, others meet those people. But at the same time, I I wouldn't go overboard because I think often the way the courtship model is um, followed through on is fear-based. 
And it says, I'm afraid to just ask somebody out and take the risk that this might end. And so I'm going to say, hey, we're going to get married. And we're going to go the full bore and talk about that right up front. And I'd rather say, look, relationships are risky. They are risky. If you're not prepared for a level of risk and a level of heartbreak and even a level of failure, uh, it would probably be better to stay single, to be real honest with you. Engaging in a relationship with another person will cause risk and pain and difficulty. And I think sometimes the process of walking through that can help us grow closer to the Lord. I love that. The title of the book you gave uh, made me think maybe we should give some book yeah. titles. So. There's another one that's out there uh, that is called I Gave Dating a Chance, which uh, was written in response, obviously, to Josh Harris's book, but is actually a very well-balanced discussion of can we date in a way that honors the Lord? And he answers yes. The Clark is the name of the author. So. Um, it is time. We are out of time. So Uh, We're going to stop there, and uh, we'll be up here for a minute or two if you guys have other questions or just want to get contact info or anything. We'd love to talk with you all. Let me pray for us real quick before you take off. Father, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to talk with these students, hear their questions, and hear the things that are on their hearts and minds. And we pray that you would draw all of us closer to Jesus Christ, whether we're single, dating, engaged, married, wherever we are, allow our primary focus in our life to be on the person of Jesus Christ and how we can glorify and serve him. We love you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week.